This is a recording of Careless Accounts and Tawdry Novelties by Lewis Midgley, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Sean Canney. Review of Loft Payne, Joseph Smith, The Make-Believe Martyr, Why the Book of Mormon is America's Best Fiction, Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, Trafford Publishing, 2006, with Appendix and Index. $23.10 paperback. Abstract. The faith and memory of Latter-day Saints is rooted in Joseph Smith's recovery of the Book of Mormon, which both present itself and is accepted by the saints as both an authentic ancient text and hence as a divine special revelation. Book-length efforts to explain away or unravel these grounding historical claims began in 1834. Such endeavors have never ceased. They are often the work of disgruntled former saints. In 1988, Loft Trick, self-published an amusing, truly bizarre, seemingly countercult sectarian account of the Book of Mormon. In 2006, doffing his previous persona, he again opined on Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, now under the name Loft Payne. He has discarded the notion that Joseph Smith was a demon, Instead, he now claims that the Book of Mormon was Joseph's sly, previously entirely unrecognized, and hence never properly appreciated covert effort to trash all faith in divine things. This bizarre explanation is then compared and contrasted with an array of recent competing explanations of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, including recent books by Alan D. Tyree, a former member of the RLDS First Presidency, and Dale E. Luffman, a current apostle of the Community of Christ, as well as essays by the militant atheist Rev. Dr. Robert M. Price, and a book by former Latter-day Saints Grant Palmer, and also the high-profile podcraft of John DeLynn, all of whom in one way or another strive to prove that the Book of Mormon is frontier fiction fashioned by Joseph Smith, from ideas floating around his immediate environment and hence neither an authentic ancient history, nor a genuine divine special revelation. All these endeavors are poorly grounded attempts to destroy faith. The notorious doctor Philastus Hurlbut, in 1834, set in motion book-length explanations of the supposed mundane origin of the Book of Mormon, and also thereby began a long tradition of deeply disgruntled former Latter-day Saints making war on their former faith. Hurlbut's controversial affidavits, along with the previously published letters written by the disaffected Ezra Booth, formed the basis of Howe's famous book, which also established the once popular but now moribund Spalding Rigdon explanation of the Book of Mormon. These endeavors, often but not always generated or promoted by former Latter-day Saints, are a staple of both secular and sectarian criticisms of the faith of Latter-day Saints. I will examine one recent attempt to explain the Book of Mormon away as 19th century fiction, and I will provide some additional context for and critical commentary on these endeavors. Some Secrets and the Perils of Innovation In 1988, Loft Trick, born 7th May, 1945, self-published a book entitled the best-kept secrets in the Book of Mormon. For somewhat addled, 
shadowy reasons, which is to say that they are not entirely unclear, after having been baptized at age 13, and then for a decade or so appearing to be at least a nominal Latter-day Saint, Trick suddenly went missing. His rather secretive career is somewhat, though not entirely, shrouded in mystery. What is clear is that in 1988, he self-published a swarm of truly bizarre explanations of the Book of Mormon and of Joseph Smith, whom he pictured as its deviously devout but also presumably satanic author. Some of these were included under the title Best Kept Secrets, while other explanations, coupled with evidence of their author's troubled past, were circulated in leaflet form under the generic name Jacob's Well Reports. In 1991, in a spunky and genuinely amusing review of Trick's best-kept secrets, Daniel C. Peterson pointed out that even in anti-Mormonism, tradition may well have a legitimate place. He illustrated this point by calling attention to the many truly bizarre assertions made by Loft Trick, which provide a spectacular illustration of the perils of innovation. How so? A portion of Professor Peterson's concluding assessment of best-kept secrets reads as follows. Loft Trick may have written the worst volume ever published on the Book of Mormon. His arbitrary textual readings, his wholly unjustified dogmatism, his Luciferian obsessions, his rambling and impressionistic style, his lack of interest in anything that can truly be termed evidence, the utter absence in his book of rigor or discipline, all of these appear to put him in a class with the infamous 15th century manual for the persecution of witches, the Malleus Maleficarum. Two years later, Massimo Introvine, a Roman Catholic expert on sectarian countercult antics, placed Loft Trick among some truly outlandish New Age sectarian anti-Mormons, a category in which he included Ed Decker, William Bill Schnobelin, and James Spencer. Each of these critics of the faith of Latter-day Saints seemed to intervene to have been heavily impacted by some version of Pentecostal spiritual warfare, struggles against what are considered instances of demonic possession. Earlier, I had tentatively placed Dean Helland in this same category, and perhaps a few other names of marginal figures could be added. However, partly as a result of an exchange of correspondence with Trick, it became clear that he did not really fit neatly into what Intervene considered the most bizarre branch of the countercult camp. Instead, I argued that, despite pretensions and much additional confusion, and still with a taste for satanic explanations, Trick actually operated with an essentially cynical, secular religious ideology. He only pretended to be a Protestant countercult critic of the Book of Mormon in the hopes of attracting an audience for his opinions. Trick was essentially a secular humanist who merely posed as a Christian. The by now petulant reader must be wondering why I have begun with this extended digression on Loft Trick. The reason is that the one now publishing under the name Loft Payne is actually Loft Trick, who after an extended leave from public view is now back opining under a new name. Loft Trick assumes a new persona. After disappearing for a spell, the enigmatic and elusive Loft Trick surfaced again in 2005 under a new nom de guerre, Loft Pain, 
and this time with another self-published secular sequel to his best-kept secrets. He has now shed both his former name and his sectarian countercult persona. He has dropped the S from his given name because he insists it is silent, like the S in the French name Descartes, and hence is confusing to English-speaking readers of his work. He has also dropped Trick, his original Danish name, but these technicalities are of minor concern. What is now clear in Loft Payne's most recent self-published book is that his is an overtly secular reading of the Book of Mormon. He pictures Joseph Smith not as a demon-infested monster, but as a devious religious skeptic who packed the Book of Mormon with hidden double messages, including disguised biblical satire, wonderful fiction, presumably clever New England humor, and so forth. Primarily, Payne insists that his Joseph Smith has a secretive but profoundly secular distaste for belief in God. His Joseph is a projection of his own world. Payne's proclivity for sly, secretive tomfoolery gets him into difficulties. For example, he even attributes to his Joseph a truly remarkable prescience. Since the secretive one now calling himself Loft Payne claims to have found autobiographical hints carefully hidden throughout the Book of Mormon, Drawing upon what he insists are previously entirely unnoticed clues, Payne insists that Joseph Smith created a previously unnoticed and hence entirely untapped sketch of what would eventually happen to him, a terrible tragedy of Shakespearean proportions. Payne's Joseph actually scripted his own end in the Book of Mormon, since Joseph worked hard to become a make-believe martyr. But the fact is that the actual Joseph Smith was shot and killed by a real mob. There was nothing make-believe about his death. Payne's Joseph even planned it that way right down to the small details. According to Payne, Joseph Smith's most amazing feat of all, and which, curiously, has never previously been detected, is shown in elaborate preparations for setting himself up as the church's foremost martyr, initially by establishing a blueprint and exact timing for his dramatic exit in ink a full 14 years prior to the event. Along the way, he generated volumes of public correspondence that generously substantiated his superhuman struggle to capture immortality. Planning to get himself murdered was Payne's Joseph's way of keeping his name alive for future generations, perhaps as a kind of symbolic immortality, appropriate to an entirely secularized extension of Payne's own secularized religious imagination. None of this, according to Payne, has, quote, previously been detected, end quote. Why not? His novel explanation is that, quote, all of this would have been common knowledge by now, except for Joseph's peculiar strategy of convincing followers and critics alike that he was an unlearned backwoodsman who had been visited by angels, end quote. From Payne's new wholly secular perspective, the Book of Mormon, quote, never acquired respect as serious fiction, it wastes away, read occasionally, misunderstood invariably. His work has been excluded from every anthology of American literature, even after being translated into 45 languages worldwide, end quote. But Payne has now presumably corrected this unfortunate literary lacuna. Hence, he proclaims, quote, No more. I've spent the past couple of decades researching and reconstructing Joseph's original intent, his work is examined in my new non-fiction literary biography, Joseph Smith, The Make-Believe Martyr. I unmask his deceptions, 
solve his riddles, end quote. Now read The Loft Painway, the Book of Mormon, among other wonders, quote, reveals a legacy of deist enlightenment that influenced American religion well into the 19th century, end quote. Payne seeks to be taken seriously. Much like Loft Trick, his original persona, he offers his words as a guide to presumably profoundly confused readers of the Book of Mormon. In doing so, he is again eccentric, but much more pedantic than he was in Best Kept Secrets. Unfortunately, he is not more accurate and much less amusing. Payne now claims that the Book of Mormon is a literary nostrum, a kind of panacea now known only to those who are inclined to accept Payne's wild speculation set out in his second self-published book. Is his Joseph, and hence his reading of the Book of Mormon, fresh and insightful? Make-Believe Martyr is merely an overtly secularized version of his original, truly amusing best-kept secrets. This time set out in even more pretentious, extravagant language. Secular, Naturalistic Explanations of the Book of Mormon If I am even close to being right about pain, why give make-believe martyr any attention? At least part of the reason is that Loft Payne's most recent effort is in some important way similar to some other recent secular efforts to find 19th century literary sources for the Book of Mormon as well as the story of how Joseph Smith came to recover the Book of Mormon. One crucial similarity between these secular and hence essentially atheist accounts and Loft Payne's account is that they both recognize that the explanation of Joseph Smith must be such that it also accounts for his being able to fashion the Book of Mormon out of presumably readily available 19th century literature available to him. Sectarian accounts must make the links between the Book of Mormon and the sources Joseph is thought to have used in fashioning his fiction. Explanations of the Book of Mormon by dissident or cultural Mormons make essentially the same move by rejecting even the possibility of the Book of Mormon being an authentic ancient text, and in that sense, a genuine divine special revelation, and thereby also the Word of God. Some may, however, strive to see something in the Book of Mormon that might perhaps be inspiring when it is read as 19th century fiction, while not overtly ignoring the implications of such a reading on how one must understand Joseph Smith, the divine revelation, as well as priesthood keys. One simply cannot read the Book of Mormon as his frontier fiction without thereby unraveling Joseph Smith's place as seer and prophet. Some Sectarian Endeavors One deeply flawed and also truly bizarre bit of Woolly speculation about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon can be found in Grant Palmer's effort to find a previously unknown literary source for Joseph Smith's story of his encounter with a heavenly messenger who made possible his recovery of the Book of Mormon. In 2002, Signature Books published a much polished and refined version of Palmer's earlier claim that the bizarre tale entitled Der Golden Topf, The Golden Pot, written by E. T. A. Hoffman, 1776-1822, a famous polymath German romantic fantasy writer, music composer, and critic, was the actual source for Joseph Smith's story of his encounter in 1823 with Moroni. Please note that Hoffman's tale, which was first published in German in 1814, was only available in an English translation by Thomas Carlyle in 1827 long after the Moroni story was already circulating. 
Palmer was captivated by Mark Hoffman's forged salamander letter, and also by the fact that E.T.A. Hoffman's tale invokes a salamander standing for fire. Without that forged letter, Palmer's appeal to E.T.A. Hoffman's The Golden Pot is absurd. Nothing else links Joseph Smith with the obsession of high European culture with such things. Salamanders and fire are not part of folk magic. In addition, Palmer was unable to find anything in the Book of Mormon that he could attribute to E.T.A. Hoffman's influence. Palmer is not, however, a secular atheist. Sectarian critics of Joseph Smith, as Palmer's central argument and his one original idea illustrate, could easily have been fitted snugly into an essentially secular, functionally atheist criticism of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, since both seek to challenge Joseph Smith's prophetic truth claims by trying to explain how he fabricated the Book of Mormon. The fact is that authors with sectarian religious sentiments, including cultural Mormons with revisionist proclivities, also strive to explain the Book of Mormon away by turning it into 19th century fiction, authored by either Joseph Smith or others, out strictly of 19th century literary sources. Two other sectarian examples. In addition to Grant Palmer's seriously flawed endeavor, popular with both secular and sectarian critics of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon, there are other sectarian efforts to read the book as 19th century fiction. Two books published in 2013 by authors who represent the community of Christ. The new name for the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, RLDS, are intended to train the professional ministry of that denomination. Both books provide different but closely related examples of this same proclivity. One was written by Alan D. Tyree, a retired former member of the RLDS First Presidency, while the other was written by Dale E. Luffman, currently a Community of Christ Apostle. Both argue vigorously, though in somewhat different ways, that the Book of Mormon is not an authentic ancient history, that is, that there were no Lehites, and hence no Moroni acting as a heavenly messenger, making available to Joseph Smith engraved metal plates and interpreters, seer stones. These accounts also logically entail that the witnesses to the plates either fibbed because they witnessed nothing out of the ordinary, or were hallucinating. The Book of Mormon in these accounts is strictly 19th century fiction fashioned by Joseph Smith, though it is still part of the RLDS slash Community of Christ canon, and can even be read as scripture if one is so inclined. The argument in both books is derivative, relying very heavily upon discredited literature and seriously flawed arguments. For example, while Tyree ignores Grant Palmer, Luffman describes him as, quote, a most credible scholar, extremely competent in Book of Mormon research, and a man of faith, end quote. There is, it seems, a certain close affinity between secular and sectarian efforts to explain the Book of Mormon away as merely 19th century fiction, perhaps for some possibly inspiring, but certainly not genuinely inspired by God, and radically secular treatments of the Book of Mormon, such as offered by Loft Payne, who flatly denies that anything can be genuinely inspired. There are, however, a number of even more radical versions of this kind of literature. The price is clearly not right. The Rev. Dr. Robert M. Price provides a remarkable example of a secular atheist fundamentalist 
who brushes aside all genuine belief in divine things. Though he came from a Protestant fundamentalist background, he has become what he describes as a radical atheist. Price does not share Loft Payne's secretive background, but both came from similar fundamentalist grounding ideologies. Price eventually began arguing that in addition to there being no God, there never was a Jesus of Nazareth, and hence Christianity is a raw fabrication. There is no sin and no divine mercy or ultimate hope beyond the grave. Price has made a living of preaching this ideology. In addition, he has also made an effort to explain, from the same set of secular grounding assumptions, how Latter-day Saints ought to understand Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. John DeLynn, Podcraft In a time where the attention span seems to have decreased, and virtually any persons, no matter how uninformed or inarticulate, deem themselves both authorities on whatever even momentarily draws their attention, and hence also authors, there are now a host of even less plausible, careful, accurate accounts of the Book of Mormon being advanced on the Internet, where there is exactly no quality control. These are often less plausible, even amusing efforts to brush aside the Book of Mormon, for mercenary and or personal reasons. Such critical ideologies are now being spread by bloggerity, one of whom has even managed to make a living both servicing and generating crisis of faith among the saints by engaging in what can be called podcraft, which is now popular among Internet critics of the Church of Jesus Christ. One of these, without knowing it, has even managed to imitate the Reverend Price by finding no reason for believing that there was a Jesus of Nazareth, or God, and thus also ridiculing as rubbish the atonement for sin, as well as trashing the Book of Mormon. And Revisionist History Even some LDS scholars oppose and condemn efforts to defend the historical authenticity of the Book of Mormon. The neglect to explain how Joseph Smith could have fashioned it out of strictly 19th century sources which they may insist must be the default position of Latter-day Saint historians, despite such accounts being highly implausible. Such opinions are not grounded in an understanding of historical method, and hence are even less intellectually interesting than the most recent effort of Loft Payne. Some historians suggest that it is not now proper to set out reasons for the historical authenticity of the Book of Mormon. They may believe that efforts to do so have failed or that it cannot be done or they sense that they are not themselves able to contribute much to such an endeavor, and want to change the direction of relevant historical endeavors. Some assume that defending the Book of Mormon may offend non-LDS historians, with whom they seek to court credibility. They tend to write in cautiously set-out, naturalistic, secular terms, in the hope that this will earn credibility and thereby open professional doors. For these and other similar reasons, they refuse to defend the historical authenticity of the Book of Mormon. They have become ardent apologists for explaining it as a 19th century work of fiction, fashioned by Joseph Smith out of bits and pieces found in his immediate environment. They sometimes begin with the dogma that real historians must exclude divine things, defined as the miraculous, from their accounts of the past except perhaps as the illusions or delusions of those about whom they write. Not entirely unlike pain, there are, I believe, some who now seem to me to have chosen to become cynical, self-appointed delineators, who mark and show the way to a currently fashionable form, 
of what I also believe is a secular, soul-destroying darkness, quite bereft of faith or hope, and so also of genuine love. Louis Midgley, Ph.D., Brown University, is an emeritus professor of political science at Brigham Young University. Dr. Midgley has had an abiding interest in the history of Christian theology. He wrote his doctrinal dissertation on Paul Tillich, the then-famous German-American Protestant theologian and political theorist, religious socialist activist. Midgley also studied the writings of other influential Protestant theologians, such as Karl Barth. Eventually, he took an interest in contemporary Roman Catholic theology, and it was also impacted by the work of important Jewish philosophers, including especially Leo Strauss and his disciples. This has been a recording of Careless Accounts and Tawdry Novelties by Lewis Midgley, originally published in Interpreter, A Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 16, 2015, pages 1 through 12, read by Sean Canney. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.